0: I love talking horses. Well, that's me too. And because and, my my perspective on it is I don't really have a lot of uh, knowledge. I think the, the key for me is like I'm really curious and I, I like to try things out. But what I'm finding more and more is um, I don't think I was meant to be a horse trainer uh, in the sense of that's what I need to do. When I looked at my bank, you know, that's what I did all day. And then I look at my bank account at night, I, I wasn't really built for that. I, I enjoy riding business. horses. Yes. Yes. And so I, I think that's kind of the the challenge, right, is finding that that purpose uh, in life in general for all of
1: us. right? You well, know, there's just like now, there's a, so just like for yourself and lots of other guys out there that are like the talent, especially down in this country is crazy, you know, a lot of talent. Yeah. Well, the horse is, is basically a means to an end for you in what you do. I mean, it's a, it's a tool you use for a purpose, but at the same time, we kind of have to have an understanding of how the tool works or we're not going to maximize its benefit, right? So you don't have to, you know, and the thing is, <coughs> everybody, you know, that, that, comments you made about being a horse trainer whether we like it or not we are yeah because we're either influencing one way or another every time we do anything and really the most people that I run into most people I have at my clinics they don't want that title right. and I get it because when you label yourself horse trainer it's like I know more than you do hell we're all out here just <laughs> we're all uh, i've been at this for 40 years and i'm just i promise you i got a ton to learn you know and we're all going to be that way forever so th- that's what i'm really curious about
0: right because i i think when someone really puts well, well mm-hmm. let's <clears throat> let's kind of give everyone a background uh phil yeah. uh before i before i dive into this right. <laughs> this question no, go uh, ahead. let's let's uh, I, I i mean it's you've rode. You've trained horses now for 40 years, right? This is, this, yeah, I mean, primary way years, of making yeah. a living has been for 40 years. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, it's probably over a thousand horses that have went through your training program that yeah. you've, you know, that you've rode. Yeah. So we're talking, this is, you know, I, you know like the way to talk about like a 10,000 hour rule to achieve <laughs> mastery or something like that. Well, you're almost a 10,000 horses, you know, like when you think about like, that's probably how many you, you've rode, it's just different horses. Cause if you're talking about. You know, horses in the program is a thousand. You'd think maybe you're, you're not a lot of people have, uh, I, I don't know that I, not a lot of people have rode a thousand times, let alone a thousand different head of horses, right?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, starting out, um, I remember the first, I, was, I actually did a podcast with Hannah the other day talking about marketing. And anyway, starting out, my marketing was, uh, and ad print ads, you know, which mm-hmm. used to be everything. Yep. You know, it was horse breaking and training and my name and my number. And that's all it was because they charged me by the word. And so I was trying to keep it under like six or seven words because I didn't have any money. Yeah. You know, and that was in 1981. And I think, you know, I look back on that, you know, I was young very inexperienced, I like to say inexperienced and not dumb, because I don't want to call myself dumb, but I was uh, very inexperienced. Well, now I've got, you know, four decades later, and I'm, I'm uh, older and uh, more experienced, but I still, you know, I still have a ton to learn, and that's how it's always going to be. The horses have changed a lot. The horses i ride now compared to the horses i rode then whole different ball game you know now we have more horse to train it's just like in the in the futurity worlds you know with the rope horse faturities exploding like they are yeah which is awesome because you know forever in that industry you know what were we going to do with a four five and six year old you just put time and money into them, kind of waiting for them to grow up, you right. know, mentally and physically, you know? And, and so there was always a lull in there. And now that's, that's, you know, cause that's just going to get huge. Well, then the other thing is now with the barrel faturities and the rope horse faturities, I think we're going to, well, I'm already seeing it. There's going to be a lot of crossover. Yeah. Horses go both ways. Best thing that ever happened for the barrel faturity horses is if they'd go get roped on a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, we did an episode, uh, like a rundown episode for X-Factor barrel Mm -hmm. racing with Jordan Briggs Mm -hmm. and I happened to do it before she won the world, but we got talking about that horse and, um, you know, he showed in the heading and, and the healing. And then, you know, obviously it won horse of the year. She won the world on him, And, and I think, uh, you know, when you say the horses have changed, I, I think the, what does that mean to you exactly is it the the like what they're kind of like bred into them like the physical attributes or how they're like how the actual um horse is brought up to to get to that point like the training process you know because I, I would say the same thing i look at it with sports right like basketball or football we've gotten faster um, right and exactly uh, but we kind of know how to train our muscles better and how to train our mind better, and, and the preparation for competing has completely changed for for humans over the last, you know, f- month, you know, since it started, right? Since sports have started. Do you think that's similar or is it just, is it a combination of that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know what, we're, we're a very progressive, smart race of people, I mean, there are a bunch of smart people out there. There are smart breeders. It, you know, I, I compare it to the parody of college football. You know, there are a lot of great teams, a lot of great programs. Whereas years ago, you had those handful that dominated. That doesn't happen anymore. Same way in the horses. There's so many, there's so many good horses being bred and raised in this country you know, and, you know, we're sitting here in the in the heart of Texas. I mean, good Lord, they're on every corner, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, all through the Midwest. But you can go to, you know, I do clinics, and this year I'll be in Maine and in Alaska, and there's good horses everywhere you go. You know, there's good horses everywhere. So the, the development of the physical and mental abilities or the progression of it I think it's just been off the charts now where we where we do fall short is I always say this now is, you know, there's more horse to train mentally and physically and and really and truly these horses are so talented physically at such a young age that our big challenge is um, developing them mentally under understanding that you have to, you know, it's like having that freshman in high school that's a freak athlete and built like a man, but yet they're still a kid. Right. They're, they're still a young individual. and And so I think the mental aspect is where I really, really focus more now than I did, you know, say two decades ago. That's interesting to me because I think
0: when we talk uh, mental aspect, right, because the first thing that comes to my mind, we have our expectations, especially a lot of lo- – once you kind of get outside of the – more towards competition-driven, we have sure. our expectations of how we you know want to perform and then what we expect our horse to help right. us with. Well, our expectations of how we want to perform and then what our horse is mentally ready for – really don't match up, uh, very often. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and, and so that, that's a unique balance because when you're, you're expecting and you want a lot and it's more for yourself than it is for what your horse is ready to do. And, uh, I mean, isn't that a, a big challenge, uh, to understand that,
1: right? Huge. Yeah. Huge. I, I talk a lot about this. Um, it's like goals, expectations, goals, whatever you want to call it, you, you got to have them, right? You got to have them. But what, what is really important there is the implementation of your system. Because if you don't have a system to put in place and make those incremental progressions each and every day, the goal is worthless. Right. You know, it, and, and you talk about expectations. And this is something I have to, this is something I deal with all the time because you and I are the same as everybody else. We At the end of 24 hours, our day ends, right? Yep. I don't care if you got an S on your t-shirt. At the end of 24 hours, your day's over. You can only do so much. So like with me, I have to step back. And look at each individual and I have to decide are my expectations realistic with the amount of preparation I have to put into that horse because if it isn't you need to change something you know you either need to figure out more time to spend on that horse which is 99% of the time the case because with horses especially with horses with more ability, you know, we talk about on the horsemanship side of it, feel, you know, you look back at the great horses you've had. Well, the great horses that I've had, I rode a lot. I used them for everything. You know, we roped on them. We run barrels and poles on them. We, you know, I picked up on them. We did everything on them. I, I, Halter broke colts on them. I flagged horses in the round pen. I mean, I used them all day, every day. Yeah. Well, those horses had great feel. Like when, my, when I sat down in the saddle and I made a movement with my body, they, they knew what was coming, right? Well, when you take a horse that's just, you know, the horses like we've got today with just freakish ability, that's what they need more of the physical manipulation with our hands, that yes, we, we have to be able to do that, but the signal that really matters is the one before that, the one where you make a move with your body. Well, you just think about it for yourself in a team roping run. Really and truly, in a, in a really fast run, you you don't have a lot of time with your hands or your legs to send signals that horse has to feel you and and know what's coming you know from the previous repetitions well the only way they get that is from time in the saddle you know and that's so when you're talking about expectations you're exactly right with that question and and that's a that's a question that to be honest with you, it's it's kind of humbling because every time I get in a situation with a horse where I'm struggling, I'm like, okay, you know, these are my expectations. Is that realistic with what I'm putting into it? 99% of the time, the answer's no. Well,
0: and that yeah. answer probably hurts. If <laughs> yeah. you're truthful. Oh, it's like,
1: humbling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and humbling. And, and I think that's... That's one of the hardest things to do, right, is to, to humble yourself to the point where you can be really truthful without without breaking yourself down and then without breaking your horses down too because I, I think right. that's what what happens a lot is when those, when those are really off and our expectations and what our, you know, the actual feel that we have on our horse, the actual, right. you know, what the horse is ready for, if they don't match, that's where the, like, emotions will get out of control. That's where performance is going to, not be consistent, and then you start spinning the wheels. Where I think a lot of that is um, getting back to: Have I put the work in? Right. Is it what it needs to be? And um, and so that that that's a real challenge, right? And I think that's when you start going down the rabbit hole of this, and and you get to go through it with multiple horses a day, and you know, and then it's for for clients too. And so you're like, you know, you're trying to when you try to look at that aspect of riding for the public and riding for yourself, and yeah. there's, there's a lot of, uh, <clears throat> dangerous, dangerous ways it could go. And then there's <laughs> a, a lot of ways where it's like it, humbling is the, the real answer to that. Um, so to kind of get back to that first question before we r- really yeah. got you introduced, you know, when you talk about a lot of work on that you put into to horses and and not, the humility, I guess, is what I, I'm really curious about. When does that start to take place? Or when do you get interested in the, I'm, I'm going to be learning for the rest of my life. Cause I, I think to, to look at like true masters or true mastery of one thing means they're just in a process the whole time. Yeah. They're always trying to improve and they never feel like they've accomplished it. So when, yeah. when do you start realizing that you love the process of that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I tell you what, I, I, I probably went through a decade where I was kind of hard-headed and thought I knew it all. And, and any time, you know, and, you, and you'll run into people, trainers that are at that stage in their training at times, and, and you know it's just when you're in that state of mind, you're stuck because when went, here's the thing, if you think you know it all, you're not willing to learn. Yeah. And and I probably I probably lived that for about a decade, really, to be honest with you. And then there was a day where, I don't know, it was a hot day in the summer of Oklahoma, and I'd worked, I don't know, 10 or 12 horses that day. Been a long day. And I just remember looking in the mirror that night and, and just telling myself, you know, I'm pretty sure those 10 or 12 horses didn't have a meeting that morning and say, hey, we're going to make Phil's day miserable. <laughs> right. And I said, you know, right now you kind of suck. So you either fix it, go do something else, you know, because right that ain't working. Well, you know, and I remember that day like vividly. you know, and that was, you know, that was 30 years ago. And, you know, after that, I, I, you know, I reached out to some mentors and basically, you know, admitted to myself that, hey, I got a lot to learn, you know, and, and I'd been, I had a good, you know, I had a good riding business. I'd, I'd had some success, you know, I was still rodeoing some and I had some you know, I'd had some success, but but really my horses were all getting to a certain point and then stopping, you know, and and they still might have been better than some people's horses, not as good as others, whatever, you know, there's always somebody better than you. doesn't matter how good you are at what you do, there's always somebody better. Well, you know, now I tell people at all my clinics and schools, whether they're public or private, just... Accept the fact up front that there are going to be times when you're going to be frustrated, humbled, and embarrassed. Okay, and if you can't stand those three emotions, do not buy a horse, because it's common. I don't, I don't care if you won the world last year, the first rodeo of the year. Nobody cares. Right? right? Nobody cares. You better bring it. You better be ready. If you think. You know, whatever you did last year, or whatever you did last week, if you think that's gonna carry over to the next month, get ready to get humbled. Because if you're not out there busting it, paying attention to detail, just like we talked about earlier, the little things are what changes you. And so, just like there, when I went and got some help, two things happened. I smoothed out a few rough edges, and then I also gained the confidence that, hey, I was on the right track. I do know something about what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and you know, I think um, one of our biggest drawbacks as humans is not seeking out mentors. Because now I do in, in a lot of different aspects in my life. And every time it makes me improve. You know, but I'm like everybody else. I can't, I can't judge somebody that hasn't done that because I was that guy. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, I, I think
0: for that day, you know, I, I'm really curious about that day because it, it it's like a, it's like a breaking <clears throat> point, right? Is that All day big time? You're either going to, does it feel like you're going to quit and do like, is that what you meant by do something else? Quit, you know, find a different job. Yeah, because it was miserable. Yeah. It was a rough day. And um, I think when you reach that point, you've got to be able to answer some really hard questions. And and I think it talked, and one of them is, are you living out your life's
1: purpose, right? Yeah. How did you get to that answer? So how did you get to a yes Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, there was some soul searching went on there. And I think, you know, I think with all of us, I don't care what you're doing in your life. You're going to get to that point. You know, you're going to get to that point. And, you know, I tell, I always talk about this to it with all my customers, all my clinics. Don't think there weren't days where I sat in my saddle barn with my head in my hands thinking, what am I doing? right? Questioning, yeah, because that's human nature. We're excuse me, we we're gonna we're gonna question ourselves when things aren't going great. And things aren't gonna always go great. You know, you have to just, stay the course, That that's when it becomes so important to have a program or system that you're implementing. Because the thing that I, you know, the thing that I realized about every f- facet of my life is that if there was going to be a change in that, it had to start here. Right. It had to start with me. And, you know, just like with my horsemanship, you know, when I started understanding more about communication and understanding, okay, if, if I'm asking for a response and I'm meeting with frustration from my horse, it's because they don't understand the res- what I'm asking. It's not that they don't, won't give me the response. See, when it, whenever you ask a horse to do something and they don't understand what you're asking, it triggers a reactive response, which typically starts with frustration. And then from there, they can go into flight mode, self-defense mode, you know. Several of those characteristics of the reactive side of their brain, well, you know, human nature is we want to You know, stupid horse, right? Well, you know, if if there's uh, something in school that we don't understand, well, we want to blame it on the teacher. Well, um, you know, that's human nature. We want to, you know, we kind of want to blame it on anybody but us. Yeah. Well, anything that's good or bad in my life starts with me. (laughs) It all goes back on me. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, you basically the humility you talk about, you you just need to understand that it is humbling. It is and humility is a good thing. You know, nobody nobody's got it all figured out. We're all just out here trying to get better. Yeah, well
0: that uh that learning that humility, that understanding um because when you talk about this, uh, you know we're we're asking a horse to do something. You're, you know, it's, it's like you're asking a question to a person that doesn't speak the same language as you, right? Right. Exactly. So, you know, you you're talking like getting into the horse's mind, and um, when we're they have instincts, and they're trying to preserve their self. You know, they're 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 an animal that has been hunted. They're they will they'll, right. they'll, they'll, they'll run away. That's an they're instinct. They're the hunted. You yeah. Bet so to to get to that if something feels dangerous to them you know their body that's how they're going to react they're going to to run or be defensive or be very protective when did you start learning how their mind works and and essentially like you talk about it in, in a podcast as well um but you like a reactive mode to like a a, a learning mode and yeah. being being responsive when did that start to become something that you you realized that you could put these horses in that kind of
1: mindset so basically after I had that day where i admitted to myself that you know right now i kind of suck right yeah so from there i started to uh, reach out you know I, I got some help in some certain areas i got over some bumps in the road, and then I started realizing, you know, I started learning more about the thinking side and the reacting side of the horse's brain. And I started understanding that every time something bad happens or I get a response I don't like, it's because of a trigger that triggers the reacting side of that horse's brain. Like Just like you said, they go into self-defense mode, flight mode, they're, they're the hunted, right? We're the hunters. We're predators, they're prey. You know, everybody kind of understands that to a degree, but at the same time, really and truly in the horse training business, the only muscle you're training on that horse is the one that's about the size of my fist in their skull. Because mm-hmm. if you're not connecting with that, if, if when you ask for a response, that muscle in their skull Doesn't understand what you're asking. It's not going to send the signal to that horse's body to say, try this response. You see what I mean? So if we're not connecting with that, then what happens? It triggers frustration. Well, what happens after frustration is a horse gets stiff, gets defensive. Yeah, they they tense up,
0: right? Because they don't know what to do. They yeah. don't know what's being asked.
1: Basically, they tense up waiting for, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, the whipping, yeah. the beating, the jerking, the tugging, the kicking, you know, and, and, I, and I can't, you know, and I'm not um, judging anybody that's been through that because I was that guy. Right. You know, I think a lot of us have overreacted. I would say oh, that everyone it, has overreacted. Yes, absolutely. And you know, and anybody that says they haven't, I mean, good for them, you know, but, but if you really, you know, and if you have that quiet moment in the corner of your saddle barn and you're honest with yourself, I mean, we, we've all had moments we regretted having. Yeah. I mean, that's just human nature, but yeah, that's, you know, that, uh, when I, when I started understanding, you know more about the horse's brain and that thinking side and that reacting side then I started to understand triggers well triggers it's no different than you and I if you walk into an establishment where you might want to have a cold refreshment as soon as you walk in it's it it sounds better to you it triggers that right or you go into a good steakhouse you know we would of course we come down we always go to heartache. eight well I just Walked towards hard eight last night, and I'm hungry for some of that sausage, you know. Yeah, yeah. Those are triggers. Well, with horses, I'm real big on establishing triggers as, as a feel response to trigger their mind to think about a response I'm fixing to ask for, you know, so it's just like, if if you're doing a say a one range stop and you do a thousand of them well before long, as soon as your horse just feels your body get in position to reach down that rein, that horse is melting, yeah. right? Well, that becomes a trigger. So that's what I'm talking about when I say feel. You know, through repetition, we can develop that feel to where it triggers that horse to get ready to give you that response. One good example, it's just like in the barrel race, and triggers are so important, because four times during a run, you ask that horse to be reactive. We stimulate the flight response. Down the alley, between the first and second, between the second and third, and from the third home, four times you stimulate the flight response in that horse. You know, and we need to be able to do that because if you can't stimulate the flight response, it's just like your head horses. You stand there dead still, and when you drop your hand, you want it all, right? Yeah. Well, you're stimulating that flight response, okay, which is a good thing. But then, you know, just like going to the first barrel and the Thomas and Mac is, you know, it would be brutal because, you know, I know it's easy to sit home on the couch and judge some of those runs, but they're coming from that blind alley, and that first barrel's right there. You know, and those riders, you know, when they sit in in a split millisecond, that horse has to know that trigger to get ready to turn, you know. And, and you can see some of them – some of them it registers quicker than others, you know, at times, right. you know. But, you know, those those triggers that flip that switch back in that horse's brain from being reactive to thinking, you know, they only have two thought processes. They're either thinking or reacting. That's it. You know, that's why a horse can be standing dead still, and the next thing you know, it kicks the horse next to him. Yeah. Or you'll be walking along and, and all of a sudden they jump five foot sideways because the covey of quail flies up. You know, that, that switch in their brain is just, it's no different than if I walk over and I flip this light switch on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. You know, it can change a horse. A horse's instinct to protect themselves and survive is so strong. That's why that switch can be just instantaneous. Yeah, so we're we're trying to train it into them to
0: trust us that we're going to keep them alive, Absolutely. and we're going to protect them, and and what they're doing is safe, and then it's it's beneficial for them and for us, right? And so that's that's not a real natural thing when you consider what we're doing on these horses. So when when we're asking for these responses at a high rate of speed, it's uh, you know that, that's the thing I I have been working on. A lot with my heading is understanding how to, to put into my young horses, um, them reading the cow and them yep. running and not using my left hand. Them like, like I, I can help them with it, but I, I you know I'm trying to get it where it's it's I usually do it pretty loose reined. You know you're kind mm-hmm. of guiding, right? And then they have their spots and you kind of you teach them spots. <laughs> but what what I'm curious is is you. How do you show them that it's good? How do you show them these release points when it you know
1: what are, what are some ways that you've, you've found that you, you you get that? Well, you just hit a you just hit the nail on the head there when you said talked about release points and I was, I was hoping you'd get to that. So horses, you know there was about a decade in there where there was a lot of uh, information. Not, I'm not even going to say a lot of information. We were, we were kind of taught to teach horses to give to pressure. Well, you, you do use pressure, there's no doubt. But they don't learn to give to pressure. They learn to seek a release point. So it's just like you're talking about training a head horse. Well, once that horse, once I get a horse in position... I want there to be a release, meaning, you know, whether it be put your hand down and let them just stay there. And then if they move away, bring them back, put them in there, you know, make sure there's a release, like a reward spot, a sweet spot, you know, whatever that is. Um, And you just have to remember everything you ask a horse to do. When you get the desired response, you have to provide some form of release. Most of the time, it's a release of pressure. You see what I mean? So we do use pressure to help train a horse, no doubt. But the key there is, and I get into this a lot at my clinics, where people will be using pressure to get a response, but there's no release at the end of it. If there's no release, that horse has no idea that that's what you wanted. Basically, what you did was just physically manipulate him around. Right. And and we can do that to a degree. Well, I think this is the language,
0: right? This right. is what we're talking about um, in essence is the release. If you as a rider can show the horse the release points, uh, you can start talking that language. You yep. can start and that's just something that's really hard. I the more I think about how bad I am about <laughs> giving like showing release to horses um and, and to help them like when they do good like to really make it an emphasis of hey this is what I wanted it's it goes back to that expectations because that's what I expect them to do. And then I don't really reward them as much as maybe that was a big thing, you know, especially when we're seeing it with young horses. Um, but even, uh, even our good horses, it's like it's pretty easy to go through the motions and uh, not uh, not remember that, hey, this is, you know, they're, they're, they do this job because they like it at this point and it's something that, but if you keep just hammering on them, um, you're going to lose that and i think that's the hardest part for me is to understand to not be in a hurry to not ex you know have these expectations this is how we make this run you know I, and to like take your time with them and show them like hey that was that was exactly what i wanted and and i think that's that's the language right and uh, yes. then when you go down that road that that is a rabbit hole because the more i think about like if i just take notes like mental notes as i'm writing and all the cues that i kind of missed or the releases i think that's a that's a big challenge right and and so i think that's that's kind of the next kind of question like i i have is when you're going fast like barrel racing and team roping and you know you're you're adding a lot of a lot of speed right well, how do you find the best ways to to show release when they they do good? You know, when, when a barrel horse is going full tilt and then they come off your hand and, and rate right back down, you know, what what are some ways that you, you find that? Because you've had a lot of success with fraternity horses and young horses that are just they're learning all of it at the same time. They're learning how to run and and how to, you know, to listen to you at the same time. So there's a there's quite a lot of speed involved when you when you think about that, you know.
1: Yeah, the, the one thing I always tell people is it's our human, really human nature is the biggest thing we work against because it's our nature that once we get a horse to a certain level, right, we, it's almost like there's some shame in backing back up and working on fundamentals and basics, because we, cause we don't want to do that. It's like, well, my horse is, I hear this a lot. Well, my horse does all that great, so I don't need to do it. Well, your horse may have done it great at one time, but if you quit doing it, they eventually will not be great at it. Yeah. And what, whatever that is. And so I think you just, with, it's like you just said, working on making it fun for them you know i always go with smooth it's always fast yeah smooth is always fast i i always want to i want to uh produce that run where when somebody gets you know a horse that's so smooth in what they do and when they get done you you watched it and you go that didn't look that fast well then i think you're getting somewhere you know, and then at the same time you can watch a run where things are going 900 miles an hour, and there's all these herky-jerky motions, and then you get done, and it's like, huh, yeah, that they didn't really shut the clock off. I right. you know, pick any event, doesn't matter. You know, by by making it smooth and slowing things back down and slowing yourself down, because. Because with speed, the hardest, you know, with speed, the first thing that's going to speed up is your hands. With speed, your hands are going to be faster and stronger than they've ever been in the practice pen because you got adrenaline flowing through your system, right? So, like, when we're working on, you know, when we're working on just fundamentals and we're working on correct repetitions, slowing all that down, you know, even more than you need to, you know, overemphasizing it. I think that's a big part of when you go make a fast run, that horse having the confidence that you're not gonna be, you know, in an untimely fashion, picking up that hand and getting in their way. Because really and truly, with speed, you know, you don't have time. You know, we don't have time to do a whole lot with our hands. Yeah, you can use them some. And, 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 you know, really talented riders, you know, it's just like you get done watching, you know, the national finals. You know, very, very talented people. Very talented, right? Mentally and physically. Well, you know, yeah, there's times you're going to use your hands to help your horse through a pattern or through a run. Um, But at the same time, that horse has already got to know what it's going to do. Right. I mean, it it knows, like you said earlier, they know their job. They know their job. So, yeah, and this is, this
0: one's, I, I've never really thought about it. Like, you know, your hands, like how, when you accelerate, right. How much you, 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 are going to, the intensity of how you're going to use your hands really increases. Right. Uh, one thing that's really different though, is mm-hmm. your feet and your body. Right. Because team roping, heading, especially your hand is going to be the primary thing that, you know, uh, helps the horse rate. And, and so you got to really think about that, that it's more important because heading, you can't really drop your body back down and sink into the saddle, even like coming into a barrel turn and like them mm-hmm. really feeling your body, a heel horse, you, they're going to feel your body, but a head horse, you've got, you've got to have your hand is going to be the kind of the main cue for rate and and kind of, and your feet is what's going to add the speed. Almost your, you know, you're kicking or you're squeezing with your calves is what's going to really drive them up into your hand and, and like, and create that run. So that's, I think that's something
1: to really be aware of. Um, Or do I have that wrong? I don't know. I could could be wrong there. you, You know, when you're in the practice pen, you know, you're, whenever we're working on fundamentals you're you're always creating muscle memory because in the heat of a run you know and and, and like I said I mean people are so talented out there just pick any of them a lot of talent a lot of talented riders a lot of talented competitors but in really and truly in the heat of a run All you've got to rely on is muscle memory. So whatever you've established, you know, in your practice routine, that's what's going to show up, right? So just like, that's why what we talked about earlier, really paying attention to small details. When you're working on fundamentals and you're working on your, you know, replicating your run, through through practice runs you know building up to that it's so important that we don't get sloppy right because right? you can get sloppy at slow speeds right because you know we're just we're at slower speeds it's not as hard to stay on it's it, it's different yeah well you have to be really really conscious about replicating everything at every speed just like you want it to be at a full speed, meaning just like in a turn, you know, going into a turn in the barrel racing, you know, however you want your body to be in that turn to help your horse, give your horse the best opportunity to do their job, you know, and I've got some, you know, obviously some philosophies on that. but. You know, you want your body position to be in a position that gives your horse's body the best opportunity to complete that turn with the least amount of resistance, right? Yep. Well, you need to, with, at slower speeds, we need to overemphasize that so that with speed, you know, we don't have to be perfect. We just got to be pretty decent right. And, and and if you're good enough, if you're really, really good at replicating that muscle memory at slower speeds, even at a higher speed, just like you in the rope. and even if and you're trying to be three, five, even if you're not spot on perfect like you normally are, I think for that run, you're going to get a pass because your horse doesn't know any different right yep because you've you've built that muscle memory into your horse yeah that feel
0: does that
1: make sense yes it
0: does um so a couple of things like one the fundamentals with this are when we we start talking about that i think it's uh it means your body's got to be able to like for barrel racing for example like going into a turn uh whatever the fundamentals are for for you like and how you see them but i think the the definition to me would be the ability to control the horse with your body cues through the turn if you need if the distance is off in which you start your rate if your horse is a little tight going into the turn or a little wide like how we got control of hips, shoulders ribs and then your hands and i think that's when you watch you like study like the true great barrel racers like alisa lockhart or something like that oh absolutely yeah their, their hands look amazing but also their body posture is so good too and everything just fits in where they can help their horse if they need it or they can stay out of their way if they need it and uh and then they their ability to know when to ask for something and when not to ask for something is that's uh that's just the time you put in and you know with your horse and the the feel right
1: Right. Well, it's just like, yeah, I mean, you you take, and you can, there's a lot of them out there, but you take, a, you know, Charmaine, Sherry, Lisa, Haley, you know, Jordan, you know, she went all year and never hit a barrel. That's Coincidence? Wild. I don't think so. <laughs> That's wild. I don't think so. Right? Yeah. So is that horse pretty in tune? To, to the way she rides and the way she feels? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is she pretty consistent? Yeah, I'd say so. Very, very consistent. You go, you know, and and when they, you know, the the riders at that level, I, you know, here's the thing, too, about, and this isn't, you know, there's, there's, you know, a horse can only be a 1D horse with a 1D rider. And, and that sometimes, you know, that might be a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow, you know. But it's no different than you or I. My horse is only going to be as good as I am, right? I, my horse is going to be a reflection of me every time. Okay. And, you know, so like with, with those top riders, um, and, you know, that— that's what they do for a living, that's their job, Then and, and they ride like it's their job, you know, but those horses are so dialed into them, you know, they're so dialed into how they're feeling, and those horses know their job, know their job.
0: I think that's that's the thing that we we really got to understand is when we're doing this with our horses, right, how good do you want to be, and then what is, you know, what is that kind of that,
1: how does it fit into fit your lifestyle and what you want to be, right? Yeah, th- you know, and, and I think we've all dealt with that. You know, we've, uh, anybody in this business, and I think that goes back to what you talked about earlier, you know, expectations and whatever our expectations are, they just need to be realistic with what we're able to put into it. Yeah. You know, and, and my wife and I talk about that. You know, my wife's a school teacher. She married a horse trainer you know, for all you school teachers out there, I don't know that I'd recommend that. You know, it's been a tough road for her, <laughs> you know. I mean, we've got a great life and in, you know, great family and it's worked out, but boy, I'm telling you what, there's some lean times. Yeah. Lean times. But you know, you with her, she likes to she's really good with a horse and she really does a good job keeping one together. Uh, but at the same time, you know, being a school teacher, a mom, you know, takes care of a lot of our business. Her time's very limited. So we got to, you know, we got to decide where we're happy at. Right. You know, it's it's okay to just, if it's a social event, you know, we're not trying to make the finals. You know, it's not um, really and truly it's, you know, she just, she wants to have a nice horse to go have fun and enjoy and socialize and, you know, and, and there's a lot of people in that position that have full-time jobs and full-time lives. Because, you know, at the end, of, you know, even with my personal horses, I've spent the last 40 years riding everybody else's horses. Yeah. Yeah. And there are times where I'll be looking at one out there that I've got that's a four-year-old that rides like a two-year-old. Well, why does he ride like a two-year-old? Well, because I probably, I might have 25, 30 rides on him. And I'm like, good Lord, you know, this is what I do for a living. Well, that's the key. This is what I do for a living is develop potential for other horses, people's horses. You know, and now it's a little different because there's a transition. You know, I do a lot more clinics now. Well... When the kids were younger, I didn't do any clinics because I didn't want to miss anything. Yeah. You know, so I wanted to be there and glad I did. Now they're grown and married and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not missing out on anything if I'm gone, you know, 20 weekends out of the year. But, uh, you know, so you just, I, I would tell everybody this, that understand that your situation is unique to you. I mean and everybody out there is unique there's no two people alike there's no two horses alike so you know with the situation you're in with your horses um just keep it realistic and understand that the expectations have to be realistic with the amount of time you have to put into it and so yeah your friend or neighbor may get to a spot where you want to be a year sooner than you do but it's it's just time it's just time it takes there's no shortcuts to developing a horse's potential because believe me if there was I'd be doing it right right (laughs) well and I think that's it is uh you know when you reach this
0: point you're you can be involved in a, the process like we've talked in and, and being able to continue to learn. And, you know, when you, when you get to that stage, it's like, I, I think that's, that's when, you know, you're, you're really do love what you're doing. And, right. and, and that's why I like, I mean, that's the whole purpose of this podcast, right? Sure. Is we're trying to, I like to, to get to pick people's brains that are truly doing what they love to do. And, you know, the, the one thing that I, I do have concerns with, and, and I think we, we all probably ask this, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And and, and I think yeah. that's do – you, do you see trainers or people like that that you're like, man, maybe, maybe this person needs to be doing something different or maybe like it, it, they just don't have that – that passion for it um is there something that you see with people that are that are truly meant to be doing something as a and then that are maybe not but they're just doing it because yeah. it's kind of
1: convenient i think this would apply to about anything but if you're doing it just for the money you're not you're not following your passion right if you're doing it you know and and don't get me wrong i've done a lot of things that i didn't want to do so i could go do the things i wanted to do right i mean you know there's there's things you do just because you you got to do whatever whatever that is but in the horse industry I I don't really ever see trainers that I say man you need to go do something else I see trainers where I say you you need to get better yeah but but I tell myself that too so I'm I, I throw myself in that same boat I mean like I said no you know Nobody, nobody's got it all figured out, nobody's got a perfect program, or we, we're smart people, we'd all be doing it. Right. If somebody had a perfect program, I'd be doing it. But, you know, just like with, whether it's ropers, barrel racers, cutters, cow, horse, reiners, whatever, whatever your discipline, I think everybody can improve their program But I think everybody needs to be good with being okay with it, that your program's your program. I I tell people at my clinics, don't, you know, training, having a training program's like a 250-piece puzzle. And when you come to one of my clinics or whoever's clinics, there's a lot of good clinicians out there. You know, just, just try to find that one or two pieces of the puzzle that makes yours complete. Yeah. You know, don't, don't, don't go into a deal and completely change your program. You know, you know do what you do, but, but always be looking to try to make what you do better. So when we talk about program and, and goal setting, um, what are some ways that you try to, to do that? So that, that's where you have to have a system. And, and the, the thing about a system, whatever your system is, the key to it is consistency. Because consistency builds confidence in you and your horse. You know, confidence is gained through consistency over time. Yeah. You don't you don't get consistent with a head rope, you know, 30 minutes this afternoon, right? Yeah. It, it's years and years and years. Well, that consistency is what gives you confidence like, I got this. Well... Same with a horse. When, when you step in that stirrup, the greatest thing that you can develop in that horse is confidence. Because I promise you, when I, my foot steps in the stirrup, they know it's me. Yeah. And, and when I'd melt down into that saddle, they'd take that big breath and let it out instead of pull the air in and hold it. Like, if they pull in a big breath of air and hold it, that ain't good. You best just step off, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's usually <laughs> that, about the time I get bucked yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> because that, that's where the anxiety comes in. After you get on lots of colts, you get it right away. If they breathe out, that's a big plus. If they breathe in and hold it, just as well step off because the anxiety is taking over. See, a horse... A horse and a human to me are the same. You can't be anxious and confident at the same time. Right. you got to be one or the other. You're right? Mm-hmm. You know we step in here, do this do this podcast. I mean, you carry yourself with a lot of confidence. you got a good way about you. You can't be that way and an anxious mess at the same time. Same way with a horse. Right. How do
0: you maintain the discipline to keep working the plan?
1: First of all, I, I don't care what you're doing. Some days I think you just got to tell yourself, it's my job. I'm going to go do a good job today. And, you know, I'm going to get through the day. I'm going I'm to do a good job. Do you love it every day? No, you don't. There okay. are days, you know, it's, you know, sometimes I get a little flacked for this because, You know, you'll have somebody thinking their horse isn't riding very good or something. Well, is he sore? Well, you know what? I'm sore every day. I get up every day and I go, okay, if you're sore, you better show me. It better be, if I have to look very hard, you're getting rode. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. Because I think toughness is taught. Yeah. I think grit and toughness. I mean, just think about, you know, how you're raised. You know, people that aren't pampered end up being tough, right? I'm not saying, you know, if a horse is lame or, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to work a horse that's lame or something, but if somebody's wanting to use that for an excuse, oh, he might be sore somewhere. Well, they're going to have to show me a little something or or we're going to work. Because every morning from my bed to the coffee pot, you know, that's a, you know, I'm, I'm working out some kinks, you know? Yeah. So I I think, I think, you know, I think you develop a toughness mentality in a horse. I think you develop, you know, I, I think you develop some of that. And, and so even in, in us, Going back to your question, yeah, there's some days it's tough and some days you're not crazy about it. Some days the weather does affect it, but there are some days I just have to tell myself that's my job and I need to go get my job done. And for someone that's done it for a long
0: time and been consistent, um, I think it's it's more or less the discipline and in building those habits, right? Where it becomes yeah. like, hey, you just are aware that that's a thought. Like, hey, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to ride today, but... Um, That's what we're doing today, right?
1: You know, my dad told me a long time ago, he said, uh, you know, the only guarantee you can give your customers is that you're going to show up at the barn. Right. Every day. And, you know, talking about struggles and failures, and and this is something I wish I would have understood when I was competing and had the ability to compete at a high level. Failures are good. Failures are a stepping stone. You have to fail to get to another level. You're going to fail. Struggles are guaranteed. The one thing that's guaranteed in this life is struggles. Right. And and every time now when I get to a really tough spot and I get to a real struggle, you know, I almost smile to myself because I'm like, I'm almost there. I'm fixing to get to another level. You know, and it's always... You know it's always darkest right before the dawn, so just hang in there. Yeah. Hang in there. It's it's good to struggle because I I like people that have had a lot of struggles and they've they've persevered. Those are my people because well, they're tough.
0: Yeah, they're hard to they beat. Won't quit. Right? They yeah, won't I'm, quit on you. They won't quit. So struggle, right? You know. So for you what does that look like and then how do you uh, how does your mind kind of start processing that struggle to to fix it or to overcome it
1: You know the first thing is I'm like everybody else first thing that happens is I get frustrated yeah Then I just have to have a talk with myself and I say you know you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable Anytime I'm working on something where I'm uncomfortable, I know that I'm fixing to get better. You know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, it's it's like it's like when you started figuring out you needed to try to be three to win a lot in the team open. Well that's not a comfortable throw. Yes. Until you make a thousand of them, then it's more comfortable. Well you gotta get uncomfortable for it to get comfortable you know you can't you know you can't swing six times every time you practice you, you know and run down there and i'm not saying you don't do that you know a person needs to do that when you practice but if if the only time you you try to be three or short fours at the rodeo it's never going to be comfortable you, you have to practice like you want to you want to be at, at some point or for a part of your practice well You know, it's just, uh, anytime I get into riding a horse or in a different discipline, you know, I figured out a long time ago, you know, figure out what your niche is and then be really good at it. Don't, there was a time in there where I tried to be everything to everybody. and, And, you know, my niche was, foundation horsemanship well what i figured out was foundation horsemanship carries over to every discipline yeah but i don't have to be an expert in the discipline you know it's like in the you know rope horses and barrel horses there's two things we got to do we got to be able to control speed and direction we need to be smooth and efficient when we do it you know i can do that right being uncomfortable
0: might be one of those things that helps find that that purpose in life too. Yeah, because you start finding those what you want to do, what you're, what you like the most, and what brings you the most reward. And I think that's kind of the the cool spot. Like, right? It's if you can find that, it's uh, it's kind of a never ending journey, and then it's uh, it makes it to where life is you're constantly stretching yourself and uh and i think that's that's the one thing about it but people that that go out on their own that work on their own that um really find that they they got they get to live in that you know that's something you've got to live in for quite some time now right right and uh it's kind of a beautiful hard thing it's not for everybody but uh it's uh
1: you you damn sure learn some life lessons (laughs) along the way right yeah you do and yeah i tell you what i think in this whether it's in the horse industry or whatever you do you learn a lot about yourself you know and you learn you know you you learn to be okay with not being perfect yeah you know none of us are perfect you know, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's like we talked about earlier, a lot of, you know, everybody that handles a horse is a trainer. A lot of people don't like that label because when you put yourself out as a trainer, then it's basically, it's like you've labeled yourself, well, I know more than you do. Well, that might be the case. It might not be the case, right? But you are influencing an animal's behavior Good or bad, you know. The good thing about it now is, you know, we've figured out that it takes the same amount of effort or less to influence them in a good way. Yeah. Whereas, like I said earlier, there was about a decade there where I was getting some results, but I was fighting against myself. You know, here a while back, a few years ago, my dad spent some time at our place and he told me, after, you know, he'd, he'd, you know, just hang out and he's older and watch me while I was working horses. And he's, and I told him, I said, you know, I, th- I think I enjoy what I'm doing now more than I ever have. And he said, well, that's because you get, you know, twice as much done with half the effort. Yeah. Well, I had never really thought about that, but, but it was true. I just, there were times I worked way harder than I do now, but, but I wasn't near as efficient. Yeah. You know, and so it doesn't matter if you've got a machine shop or you're training horses or whatever you're doing. You know, experience has value. So how do you try to be
0: efficient with this uh, getting yeah, the, a, getting information and
1: like applying it? Because I think there's a lot of ways to go with that, right? Yeah, that's a great question. and And really and truly for everybody, that will be a little bit different. Because, you know, basically, though, um, for me, it was developing a system that's fairly simple. You know, I just have, you know, I, I have level one, two, and three exercises. And in each of those levels, I have eight or nine exercises. Now, there could be 80 exercises. Okay, so I just, I picked exercises that each one is a prerequisite for the next one okay yep and it's all about originally when i did those exercises i I was it was all about the control of that horse's body right Mm -hmm. what i wanted that horse's body to do because i understood you know growing up i did every event in rodeo and then as when I got in high school, I quit riding bulls. And when I got into college, I eventually quit riding bareback horses and bulldogging because, number one, I wasn't very big in the bulldogging. And, and I didn't like riding bareback horses that much, and so I ended up riding broncs and roping calves and team roping um, when I had my card. Well, so I understood a lot of the events, you know, and I understood what I needed that horse's body to do. Yeah. So that's how I developed my exercises. Now, what I didn't realize what I was doing at that time was I was developing more feel, you know, working on my timing, my balance, but really feel with my horses. Yeah. So I would tell everybody, you know, your system's important, but keep it simple. Be very consistent I've even said this, and there, you know, I have seen horses that were very um, unique in the way they did things, and maybe fundamentally not even that correct, but because that rider was so consistent, that rider and that horse were pretty darn consistent. So... Non-traditional horsemanship, per se, but great communication. Yeah. So, I mean. What's right and what's wrong. What's right and what's wrong. Right, yeah. So, that, when I started to notice that, and then there's just been a few of those horses that were, you can call them one-hit wonders or whatever, but when they were on, you couldn't hardly beat them. Yeah. Well, and you'd shake your head going, that doesn't make any sense compared to what i'm doing or what anybody else is doing but for that horse and that rider you could argue that that was good horsemanship that was horsemanship's just communication yeah it's no different than you and i talking you know if you if we're working together and you understand what i ask you to do or i understand what you ask me to do that's gonna make good communication yeah so you know it I don't, you know, there's two trains of thought there too, when you think about that. Well, and and kind of figuring out
0: um, what works Mm. for the horse, what works for you. Uh, But uh, so this is kind of cool. You've, you know, you've evolved obviously from the first time you've marketed yourself, right? Uh, You're talking still evolving print print ads (laughs) to to now it, you know, you're doing a podcast consistently. Um, You know, you've got a website too, where you know you've. Kind of talk to me about this because that's that's something that's interesting to me. You know, where you're keeping things. The simplicity of it is like we're all we're all learning different maneuvers for our horses and different exercises and things like that, right? Well, you know, you've obviously put that together as well, right? You've got a you've got a website with some training videos and you know some training programs that people can work on and and so
1: how does how's that kind of change what you know what you've done with it. You know, we've got a couple online courses, and, and it's, one's called uh, Foundation and Fundamentals. It's a cold starting course, and I've got one that's Foundation to Finish, which is basically um, our level one, two, and three exercises, and it's been, um, it's really been beneficial because there's a lot of, a lot of people can't, you know, can't attend an event, or, or you know, it's a, it's somewhat of a mentorship program. You know, we have a weekly or a monthly Zoom meeting with those people enrolled in those classes. And that really works good because it's kind of like for an hour we just address challenges that those trainers have. And here's the thing, I mean, any challenge I've had or you've had, we're all gonna deal with similar challenges, you know, and how to get through them. you know, and so that part of it, I think, has really been beneficial for some people. Um, the mentor program for anybody, and just like yourself, I know you have people that help you, and, and anybody that's fairly progressive is going to be um, using some kind of mentorship. Yeah. And and earlier when you were talking about it, the thing about mentors and people like that, and a mentor can be a friend. I mean, a mentor can be somebody you reach out to in business or whatever. Um, But what they'll do where they're really important is during the struggles. Yeah. I mean, when things are going great, everybody's patting you on the back, you know, uh, you really don't need a mentor you you're killing it right when you need a mentors when they you know and this is you know my my sister was this for me and and amongst other people but when I was struggling you know she would she would tell me keep doing what you're doing keep doing what you're doing you know stay with it stay yeah. with it don't don't quit don't quit cuz I'm telling you I don't care what you're doing there's going to be times where you're like it's about got me beat down i think um that, that's kind of the,
0: the hard line, too. And where, and where mentorship and, and people being close to you really help,
1: if you can find that person that's, that can do that for you, that's, that's really important. Yeah, it, it just shortens your learning curve. Yep. But, you know, like you were saying, don't, you know, all of us in this business, you know, the one thing I'd tell everybody, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be, able, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. 't don't be, don't be afraid to try new things. you know, push yourself, push yourself. Yep. Any Anytime you get comfortable with where you're at, to me, you're going down. You're, you're either going up or we're going down. I, I don't and sometimes you know in a, in a lot of people, the, this applies to a lot of people out there. Sometimes you got to work your butt off to just stay where you're at. Yeah. I mean, a tremendous amount, you know, don't, we, same with a horse. I mean, sometimes you get a horse to a level where there's that day where you look at him and I'm like, you can't do it much better than that. Right. Well, the next thing I need to do is remind myself, okay, what got him there? What did I do to get him there? Yes. Because... I need to back up and keep doing that. That's kind of
0: the whole deal, and you're just going to hit things in there that you probably don't see coming, and then maybe some,
1: hopefully, that you do, and understanding that struggles are going to be part of it. So, yeah, and, it, you know, and just always back up and reinforce fundamentals. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't go wrong with having your horse or yourself too fundamentally sound. No. When when can that be a bad thing?
0: No, I I don't think it ever is. Um, Let's talk about your
1: podcast. How long have you been doing the podcast for now? We've been doing that two years now. Two years. Yeah. When we started out, I didn't... You know, my daughter, Hannah, she encouraged me to do it. I I kept telling her, I said, Hannah, there ain't going to be 10 people listening to that podcast. She (laughs) said, no, there will be. I was like, okay. Well, of course, I didn't even know how to do it. She she set it up to where it's real easy for me to do. Right. So yeah, we've done—I don't know—110 episodes or so, and uh, it's a great way to give back. Yeah, you know, it's it's a great, just like what you're doing. It's a it's a great way to give back. It's a great way to help the industry. It's a great way to stimulate interest. Um, You know, we provide a lot of free information. You know, and uh, you know, and it costs us some time and some money to do it, and. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, I just look at it like it's, that's, that's my opportunity to give back. Well, and I think
0: it serves a, a, a big purpose in the sense of, you know, to, to get information from someone like yourself, right? With that much experience and that's lived a life of training horses, right? Like it's, you've got a lot of experience and a lot of, and you can share those lessons and your thoughts and your philosophy on it. If that was there 20 years ago, where do you think we'd be at now, right?
1: Yeah. um, You know, and one of the biggest things that I try to share is just like what we've talked about today, understanding the struggles, the challenges. I mean, we can talk about all the good things, but it's what it takes to get to that point. And And I think it just helps people to understand that, hey, nobody wakes up and they're just everything goes great when they're training a horse it it's nobody wakes up with that skill it's developed i wasn't born with any special skills i was just like everybody else and still am i'm just trying to get better yeah i'm just trying to learn and and i think when people i think it's good for the industry because people understand that Everybody's in the same boat they are right man it, it would be rough to look back on your life and have regret and
0: think, I wish I would have done something different and and I think the the quicker we can eliminate those things yes. that we might have regret on that that's really important uh, so that's that's something I right. always think about
1: yeah, and I, I, yeah, you hit on it real good there that you know if anything you want to do really and truly the resources and tools are available the the question you have to ask yourself am i willing to put in the work yeah because you know it it is hard it's tough yeah. but like you said life's a struggle you know but it's supposed to be because if everything was so easy you wouldn't appreciate anything you know you you know the struggles And and the hard times is what makes you appreciate the results. And if if you, anybody out there, if, if you have a system, you know, if you have a good system and you implement it, you know, you apply it consistently and you put in the work, I've never seen the results not come. Right. I've never seen it not come. If I look at somebody and I say they've put in the work, well, if you say that and you watch them, the results will come. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't the,
0: the results are – they get to the point where the results are fun. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it's like a – it, it kind of lets you know you're doing the right thing and going down the right path, but the actual reward is the work. The journey, the, yeah, Absolutely. the life, yeah, the yeah. lifestyle, the journey, the the what you get to do yeah. consistently, and the the little moments that you kind of get throughout the whole day that, you know, that's that's kind of what means the most, right? Really and truly, I
1: think what it what ends up happening is the love, the the fun of the of the challenges, is re- really the big reward. Yeah, because you know the results will come. You put in the work, you apply the system, you, you be consistent, you build confidence, the results will come, that's a given. You, you just, you know, they don't always come exactly when we want them to, but they'll come. But you know, the, like you were talking about the, the journey, the struggles, you gotta fall in love with it. You, got, you gotta fall in love with the tough times, you gotta fall in love with the yuck sometimes. Because that's that's all part of it. That's all. It's if you're going to be successful in anything, in my opinion, you got to understand that's all part of it. Right. Yeah. Because I.
0: I mean, I just look back at my what I've done so far, Mm -hmm. and I've got a laundry list of mistakes (laughs) that I've made, and it's like you're like, shit, man, I've messed messed up bad. Like you know, and 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 you kind of like well. It made sense at the time why I tried it like this, and, and then that's all I got. I and mean, yeah. you just got you just got to learn from it and keep going. But it's like, yeah, that, it, ma- it makes it fun where uh, you, nothing's really guaranteed, and uh, yep. you kind of you kind of I don't know. I, mean, I think that's that's what I like to hear, anyways. At least from right?
1: well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's the way it is. If if there was a way to do it without going through all that, I promise you somebody'd be teaching it. There ain't nobody. You, you get anybody in here, and I don't care how many years, how many championships, how many. They're not going to talk about that. They're going to talk about what it took to get there. Yeah. And it ain't going to be a pretty picture. As far as the rosy, I'm not not that it's not a pretty picture. It's not going to be all rosy how they got there. I mean, it, it's a. It's, uh, but it's supposed to be tough because here's the thing if it wasn't tough, when you do have the results, there wouldn't be any that, – that wouldn't be enough of a reward if it wasn't tough. Well, I think it's what makes it so fun
0: is the unknown, right? When right. you start – and then that process of uh, getting there, you get a lot of little little things throughout the whole learning process uh, and, and trying to go for something like that. And you, you just get a, You you get to learn – and you get moments that really are probably as rewarding, or no, they're more rewarding than wins. At least, at least that's right. what my experience has been. Like roping or something like that. Like when I've had a big win roping, it's been, it's been fun. Um, I've really enjoyed it. But I've honestly enjoyed. Uh, I've been just as happy doing other stuff. Now, like when someone gets their first big win and there's stuff that means more, um, sure. But I I think that's also something you got to consider is there's like when I was a kid and I won my first saddle, I was probably as happy as most world champions winning their, you know, you know, world title, like the, the degree of happiness that I was feeling was probably really similar. And, uh, so it's what it means to us right and Absolutely. and i think that's that's kind of where we gotta we gotta define that yeah well um do you want to add anything else i know if, no I, as, I kinda...
1: boy i've enjoyed it thank you so much yeah. for having me on and we'll do it again i want to i want to get you on my podcast and uh you know just keep doing what you're doing because uh you know right now i'm just so pumped about what's happening in our industry and in the horse world and um And it's because of what guys like you are doing and, um, you know, that, that's what's, uh, that's, what's helping everybody get better, Yeah, you know? And I I think there's a big service in that. I really do. I I, I like seeing people do good. I agree.
0: It's, it's cool. And, uh, it, it feels like, uh, you know, we're all kind of trying to take it to a better place, right. Where more and more people can make a living out of it. More people can, can do this. And it, it used to be something that was, uh, and it still is very recreational because it's very expensive, sure. very. <laughs> but but it's also getting to a point where um, there's some really nice nice horses being trained that are being yeah. sold for a lot of money, and and so it's just creating more and more jobs, and, and yeah. I think it's just it's something that's really important to to understand. It's the business is growing, and uh, and I think it's becoming something where a lot of people can get a lot you know create a life out of it i think that's that's awesome yeah
1: we're we're in a good time we are in a good time so yeah thank you for having me on i've really enjoyed it
0: no it's been fun Uh, phil last time you know you've got a podcast website you know where's what's the best ways to get a hold of you and also the name of the podcast you know
1: uh the podcast is uh called be your best horsemanship um you can get it on I don't know, there's seven or eight different platforms. Everywhere you listen to a podcast, <laughs> and, pretty much. And then um, go to my site, philhaugenhorsemanship.com, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram. So Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks again. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Pace.